Help support your local businesses. Whether they're your corner stores, coffee spots, or favorite shops, local businesses have always been on your team, supporting you and your community. They remember your order and call you by name, always giving back, making a difference, and going that extra mile. But right now, more than ever, local businesses need our support, so let's be there for them. The next time you go shopping, help your team score and choose to shop at local businesses. And while you're there, look for the contactless symbol and tap to pay with the contactless Visa to help support your community. Because where and how you shop matters. Visa, everywhere you want to be. Official partner of the NFL. Get your popcorn ready. It's game time, baby. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome a team that is known as Stoppers. Stoppers. The Athletic presents Hogan Johns. Every single play, go take it. Bring that juice. Let's go get it. Come on. Chicago's best Bears coverage. Go Bears. Go Bears. From NBC Sports Chicago, it's Adam Hogue. The Bears angst in general. Everybody's like angry about it, I feel like. Just relax. And from The Athletic, it's Adam Johns. This is just how it is. It's a range of emotions. It's a range of feelings and hot takes. Here they are. Fiery, feisty, and frequently ill-tempered. The Adams, Hogan Johns. What's up? Welcome in. It's day three of the Nick Foles, Chicago Bears quarterback era. The Nick Foles era. It feels, uh, well, the sun's out. That's a start here in Chicago. Sun's out. The Bears. It was rainy the past couple days, I do have to say. <laughs> Needed some of that rain. I got some grass growing outside. Uh, like just regular grass, not like the Chuck Pagano back on the grass type deal. Um, if that makes any sense to you. I know what you're talking about. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I got that fertilizer down too. It's, it's all. Yeah. Hey, it's a guess it's going to look good in the spring. It's a good time to be working on your lawn. People don't know that, but the fall is a, is a good time. We got tons to get to on this podcast so let's jump right in a couple special guests it's tuesday which means it's tuesdays with the uh the fish man the fish dad follow us on twitter at adam hogue h-o-g-e at adam johns j-a-h-n-s you can read me nbc sports chicago.com 10 bear stings they're up they're welcoming you to the nick Foles era just like we are on this podcast in on the athletic the athletic.com slash hogan johns which is where you can read Adam Johns and Kevin Fishbane. You should be doing that. Sign up. Get uh, a whole year's worth of The Athletic for $1 per month. That sign-up link right now, theathletic.com slash Hogue and Johns. All righty. So, no surprise, but Matt Nagy comes out on Monday, says Nick Foles is our quarterback, which is... I guess there was some confusion. Does he mean just this week going forward? I guess it was a good thing to clear up. I just assumed he was talking about, yep, this is the Nick Foles era. We're, we're all in with this guy. Yeah, I guess it was good to get the, the, the confirmation. He is, Nick Foles is the guy, I quote, moving forward. Like I tweeted, when it happened, once you, you go to Foles, you don't go back to Trubisky unless you have to. Right. Injury could happen, so Trubisky does have to stay ready. But not surprising whatsoever to hear that from Matt Nagy right off the bat really, in his Monday Zoom press conference. We're going to jump into uh, our voicemails here in a second. And, oh, boy, they were hot, as you could Ooh. expect with the quarterback change happening. Uh, Lance Briggs is on the podcast, though, which I'm excited to talk to Lance about not only the quarterback change, but some of the um, defensive stuff that's been going on. Especially the stuff in the middle. Yeah. The stuff he will know about quite well. Yeah, the run defense has just been uh, – like I said last week, leaky. I think it's leaky, Johns. It's a leaky, leaky run defense, and they got to get that figured out. So Lance Briggs is on. We have uh, one of our favorite podcast listeners joining him because they are working together on a project uh, that you're going to want to hear about. So uh, that's all coming up, and we are going to dive into plenty of this quarterback talk. Real quick, before we get to the voicemails, I just want to say, with this change... I'm really fascinated, Johns, to see how much the offense changes. Does it go back to more of what we've seen the last couple years? Because the one thing was when they were running the quarterback competition back in training camp, they were both running. Remember, we kept talking about how they're running the same exact plays. Like 
they'd almost like basically get, okay, you get this play, now you get the same play, who ran it bat- better? And they were mostly running the, sh- the stuff we saw with Trubisky the first few weeks of the season. And what we saw from Nick Foles late in the game on Sunday, I mean, that was out of necessity. The same way that Trubisky was running out of the shotgun late against the, the Lions. You had to throw the ball a ton. You had to get the ball downfield. So I'm just I'm curious to see what we see off you know schematically uh, going forward. To me, it all starts with execution. If you see Trubisky miss the deep shot to Anthony Miller, and you see Nick Foles hit that shot to Anthony Miller for the win, the execution of the same plays, uh, I think it starts there because as Matt Nagy said, that playbook, those play calls, for the most part, will not be changing. All right, let's jump in with our voicemails. Uh, I think we clogged up our voicemail line twice on Sunday, uh, which might be a new record. I remember the first time our voicemail line went full was actually uh, when Mike Glennon was struggling so much against the Packers, and it, it was pretty coming pretty obvious that it was Mitch Trubisky time. So uh, now Mitch Trubisky time has become Nick Foles time. Here's your voicemails. Hello? Do you know who this is? Oh, you didn't know? Your ass better call somebody! The Hogan John's voicemail. The Hogan John's voicemail line. Believe it or not, George isn't at home. Please leave a message at the beep. Got any questions or comments about the Bears? Give the guys a call before, after, or even during the game. Go Bears! Adam Hogue, Adam Johns, calling you pregame. That the 2-0 Bears can't beat the 0-2 Falcons when they can't even feel the team. Today will be a disappointment. It's not a Bears slacking. Bobby Cat, John Zipset, Kenny Keats, uh, Pastor Brasky calling in hot from uh, APL. And, boys, I got an interesting fact for you. The last time that the Bears played a uh, vegetarian team from the uh, NFC South, Mitch threw for six touchdowns against the Tampa Bay Bucks, and I'm predicting another six-touchdown performance today. Uh, with the score at 35 to zip early in the third quarter, Mitch will throw for his sixth touchdown, possibly to Eddie Jackson. And the Bears will uh, only choose to take five points on that touchdown and decline the extra point to honor the late great Gale Sayers uh, and win 40 to, uh, to eight. As I said, the, the Falcons get a late touchdown and two point conversion because they have a lot of first round talent. All right, let's go, Bears. Uh, pick up a W3 and O. That leaves us with uh, 16 more to go. All right. Mitch Trubisky remains an enigma wrapped in a mystery. The dude cannot throw for over 20 yards. I'm watching the motherfucking game at halftime, and I'm trying to figure out how the fuck the Bears are supposed to win when we get a penalty on every fucking good play we have. It's fucking bullshit. There is absolutely no way that the Bears can finish this shit off. I'm not calling to be critical of Trubisky, the offense, Matt Nagy, or anything. I just wanted to say that I ate a whole frozen pizza to myself in the first half. That's all. Trubisky's deep ball is garbage. Please can Trubisky as soon as possible. Thank you. Mitch just threw a pick in the third quarter. It's all part of the process. Down 16, folds is in. This, we all knew it was coming after just a couple throws. It's just the accuracy is, is it's night and day. The Trubisky era is over in Chicago. All those dreams are gone. I can't deal with this team anymore. Holy sh! These refs are bad. How in the world can you overturn that? Come on, big Nick, Nick. Let's go, baby. Bear down. This team's a joke. It's so hard to watch them. Colin Sam gutted for Mitch. Really gutted. You don't pull a player off the pitch halfway through a game. The thing, the good thing is, the Bears are still two one. Bears are back, baby. Big Richard Nick Foles leading us down. Unbelievable. That's right, baby! That's right! Bear down! So you're telling me that that just happened. Right in front of our eyes, just like that. That just happened. By any means necessary. Free and oh. Yeah, I love this Igor Charkovsky. I'm calling from Siberian Hospital. 
throwing up inside of my guts for I drank too many spirits during Bears game and my stomach was not able to handle it. it was triumphant victory for the biggest Vickers Nicholas. He did wonderful job and I am sure he will lead him to victory. I simply need to tone down celebration in the future. I don't know what to do. I don't know how to feel. All I know is I'm ready for my heart to get broken again next week. Bear down. Man, mixed emotions. Mitch was not good today. They needed to put in Foles, but it just sucks. You know, at the end of an era, there's a whole season ahead of us. Foles has got this. Bear down. Let's go. Holy bleep button, Batman. That bleep button got worked out. I think it's broken. Uh, but Bob Dabrowski's back, and we're all happy about that, too. Yeah, those voicemails were bleeping awesome, though. I have to say, I, I can understand the the emotions of it, and yeah, yeah, the Nick Foles era is is upon us because of a lot of those uh, bleeping mistakes. I would say by Trubisky, right? I like I just like saying bleeping. I don't. Get I the, like the bleeps. Yeah, I don't. I don't get a chance to say bleeping a lot. I think that there's an element of comedy with the bleep. Yeah, I agree. You know, I I have nothing against swearing. I do it all the time. Good F word every once in a while. It goes a long way. <laughs> You're swearing at home there, man. <laughs> all right. Here's what we do. Let's uh, let's take a quick time out. Come back. Bring in our guy, Lance Briggs, and one of our top listeners, Kyle Higgins, to the podcast. Quick time out. All right, Johns. During this time of quarterback changes and social distancing... Celebrating a Bears win with friends over a beer might look a little different. As the original light beer, Miller Light has always been there to bring people together through Miller time. Again, we've had a couple Miller times. Anthony Miller times this year, a couple game-winning touchdown passes. So Miller time is definitely continuing in that sense here in Chicago in two ways. We've had some Miller drops, too. You never want to drop your Miller Light. Make that clear. Very clear. No good. But Miller Lite is the only beer of the Chicago Bears. Miller Lite has a long-term partnership with the Bears and has been a staple in Soldier Field for decades. No matter where you are watching the game, it's always Miller time in Chicago. Pick up Miller Lite for your game day needs and don't drop it. Celebrate responsibly. Miller Brewing Company, Milwaukee, Wisconsin. 96 calories and 3.2 carbs per 12 ounces. All right, let's bring in a couple of guests I'm really excited uh, to bring to the podcast today. Uh, we got one of them Bears fans know really well. The other guy Bears fans should know. He's a loyal listener of the Hogan Johns podcast, has been for a long time, uh, and he's a big Bears fan. His name is Kyle Higgins, and he's a comic book writer and filmmaker, and he's teamed up with our guy Lance Briggs, who, of course, you know, and uh, we have them both here on the podcast. Hey, talk some bears. Talk about this project. Guys, what's going on? Morning. Morning, man. Morning, man. Got us up bright and early. Yeah. <laughs> are, you guys, are you guys both on the West Coast right now? No. No. I'm in, I'm in Illinois. Okay. I'm in Illinois. I'll, I'll be out there uh, later today. All right. Only, only <laughs> one of us is guzzling his breakfast uh, as the sun comes up here. <laughs> yeah, Kyle is out living the L.A. life. Uh, and he, we were just uh, discussing before we started the podcast, got to go to the Bears-Rams game last year in L.A., which was a cool experience. Johns and I were there. Good good game to uh, a certain point, I, I believe, yeah. if I can recall correctly. <laughs> and then, I think the Rams are better. I think the Rams are better this year. <laughs> yeah, that, yes, that's yes, actually been uh-huh. surprising so far. I thought the Rams uh-huh. were going in the wrong direction, but as long as those key guys stay healthy, they're a pretty good team. Um, well, that was one of the points in last season where maybe we were talking about a quarterback change. Uh, they didn't have Nick Foles on the team then. I think the move was a little bit easier to make uh, this time around. Lance, uh-huh. you were reacting, uh, and I should mention, for those that don't know, Lance Briggs is part of the football after show on NBC Sports Chicago uh, with Olin Krutz yes, and Alex Brown and David Kaplan. I'm sure all you guys were fired up on Sunday after the big quarterback switch. Uh, we were fired up about the win, you know, um, but, but yeah, I think, um, you know, and, and no disrespect to, to Trubisky, 
you know, but, you know, I think the, the three-year project has kind of run its course and, and uh, kind of the changing of the guard or hoping for the uh, uh, positive changing of the guard happened on Sunday. And, you know, look, I'm happy about the win, but Mitch still needs to stay ready. You know, one of the issues with, uh, with Foles is, is health. You know, and, and, you know, hopefully he stays healthy and hopefully he comes out and we, we continue to win and we get better. But, uh, but anything can happen. Anything can happen. So, so, you know, Mitch being benched doesn't mean it's the end of Mitch. Lance, how, how has a change like that maybe felt immediately on the sideline? You, you've played with various quarterbacks. Uh, and, and then how has it felt maybe? <laughs> various is an understatement. Various, yeah. Come on, man. I, I was being kind there. Uh, the... Like later in the week, when you know that you know that's maybe the most important position in sports, and now yeah. you got a new guy in there. Like, how has that felt immediately, and then days later, as Nick Foles takes over first team reps? I don't know. It just depends on you know what kind of flow you have. You know, there were times where um, um, you know Josh McCown would come in for Cutler, and we felt better about McCown, you know, going into that that week because of the way he played, you know, previous weeks before. Uh, so it just really kind of depends. And I think that um, uh, Nick Foles' approach to the game and his approach to his teammates made the transition a lot easier because guys were like, man, this guy, he handled um, um, taking a back seat uh, extremely well. He's, uh, you know, he, he's a knowledgeable guy. I mean, if you just listen to his interviews, you know, you can, you can hear him speak football. Um, so I think him, you know, moving the, moving the two of them out, uh, I don't think it was um, – well, it didn't seem like it was uh, it was a hard transition for the team. It actually looked like a spark. Yeah, Lance, I want to ask you about that because I think there are some parallels between the Cutler McCown situation mm-hmm. in that uh, Trubisky is probably more gifted from a talent standpoint than Nick Foles is, Correct. in the same way that Jay Cutler was with Josh McCown. But McCown just seemed to have a a presence about him and have those intangibles that are so important at the quarterback spot. So as somebody who played the game, even if you're on the defensive side, maybe you could speak to it from the defensive side in how that chess game that goes on. When you know a guy on the other side is maybe struggling and reading the coverage versus the guy that seems to have it all figured out, knows where to go with the football. Explain why that's important and why it's not just always up to talent. Well, it's important because you it's a you know you have eleven guys on each side of the ball and and everyone you have to count on everybody to do their job. So you know if you have a guy uh, we're playing against a guy like Jay Cutler and he drops back, he's got all the tools in the world, cannon, gunslinger, you know, um, uh, can put up a lot of numbers. You know when he drops back, he drops back on a five step drop, and you see him not step up in the pocket mm-hmm. while the while the linemen are are uh, blocking and creating that horseshoe you know, then he creates lanes for those defensive ends to uh, to rush from the back, and he's not helping his offensive line by not stepping up. You see a guy like uh, Josh McCown who will get back, and he's a guy who needs to step up in order to get uh, enough velocity on his ball, but in, also in doing so, he helps his offensive linemen who are creating that horseshoe on the pass protection to step up and make his right make the right throws. So, you know, it's just it's two, one of those two simple things um, from from two players and one being more talented than the other, but the other's technique being more sound than, than the first. Lance, when, when an offense is consistent, like consistently on the field, putting up points, what does that do for you guys on defense? I mean, I think the question might be a bit obvious, but there's, again, for various reasons, for various quarterbacks, it's not always the case here, here in Chicago, but like, right. how is that maybe felt, you know, when you're not always on the field all the time and being relied on all the time? Well, defensively, if you're not on the field very often, then you should, you'll, still, you'll stay fresh, you know, and, and the idea is, okay, if our, our, our offense is eating up time right now, whether they score or they don't or they get three points, when we get on the field, we need to get in and we need to get out because we need to keep their offense on the, uh, keep our offense on the field wearing their defense down and us – Stand fresh because the longer you are out, you're out there on defense, the the more worn down you're going to get. You know, you can try to rotate guys defense on a defensive line, but eventually you're going to get worn down, and then you know that's when they start uh, uh, picking you apart. Kyle, you could bring more of the fan perspective on this uh, conversation. What was your reaction 
on Sunday when the quarterback change was made? It was earlier than I thought it was going to be, um, for sure, which I feel like is not exactly a hot take in Chicago uh, right now. But, uh, yeah, I mean, game three, undefeated uh, undefeated starting quarterback gets pulled after one series in the third. Um, yeah, I was I was watching it with my uh, was one of my best friends who is a listens to the podcast as well, Riley Trella. We've we've watched like pretty much every Bears game together since like '06 uh, out in California here. Lance, a number of times I you know might have had one too many drinks, but was watching you return an interception. Like you know, if I had a dollar, I'd I'd probably have like five and change. You know, I don't know, I don't even know if you had that many pick sixes in your career, but quite a few. Um, <laughs> but uh yeah that uh that dallas game in particular when you when you cut through the middle and ran that back we were at this bar called tinhorn flats in uh mm-hmm. in burbank that's the biggest bears bar in southern california the place would just offers and they do like 25 dollar or 25 cent beers after a bears touchdown so um it was, it was a, a lot good that time, day but- yeah, yeah. So uh, we tried to recreate that, uh, you know, here in the apartment, uh, socially distanced, of course. But um, we both turned to each other. I, I think I think Riley saw it on Twitter first. Um, I think Patrick Finley tweeted that he was Nick Foles was warming up. We both looked at each other and we were like, "No, there's no way. There's no way." And then it was like, "Oh, it's happening!" And where did he get that sick visor? Like, no one's talking about the smoke visor. Can you? Oh, why did, why about did he take oh, he it took off? It off. <laughs> He took it. Uh, listen, there's a lot of reasons why he could have taken that off. It looks right. good. That's all I know. It did look good. It did look good. He might have fogged up, you know. He might not have been able to see as well. I almost you know? wondered, guys. I almost wondered, like, if he was wearing that in pregame for some reason because, like, maybe it was really sunny during warm-ups, and then, like, they just totally forgot it was on his helmet because he wasn't going to play that day. Look, I'll say as as a as a as a graphic designer and someone who works in a visual medium, I could do twenty minutes on the pitfalls of NFL uniforms uh, for Ooh. sure. Somehow the Rams <laughs> oh. had the answer. They had the answer. I, I don't know. Like, talk about overthinking it into like this weird hybrid of like an IKEA patch and. Who wants bone broth white? Like who? I don't. That's the answer to the question. No one's asking. Bone gradient numbers. Broth. Gradient numbers. Is this two thousand and four? Like, come on. Like, it reminds me of the drop shadows on the 49ers uh, uniforms in those uh, in those late nineties. But no, actually, Lance, I wanted to ask you. Uh-huh. Um, well, two things. One, what did you think? Because on the broadcast, I, I think I counted like five or six Bears players on the defense as well. Khalil Mack, Kyle Fuller who yeah. went up to Mitch, like, to a man and, like, pat him on the chest or spoke to him, acknowledging, like, to me as an outsider, I see that as such a sign of respect for, look, everyone's acknowledging the realities of the situation right now. But what, as a player, when you're in a situation like that, I don't know, I don't know if, was Cutler ever benched from McCown and, 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 a, and if there was a dynamic like that? But then the second question would be, on the spot right now, Lance Briggs, who would you rather have, Nick Foles or Josh McCown? Foles. Wow. Didn't even Foles. hesitate. Nope. I, was, I didn't even want you to finish your sentence. But, <laughs> uh, um, yeah, yeah, well, you, you got to remember, there, there, just because there's a, there's a change in quarterback doesn't mean that you lost your teammate. You're still your teammate. Uh, <clears throat> and different from us in the outside looking in, those guys spend every day together. You know, they spend a lot of time together and, you know, they communicate with one another and they're in, the, they're in their offices and who knows, you know, maybe they spend even more time off the field. But uh, <clears throat> but it doesn't change the fact that, listen, you know, you're we we're still friends, even though you just beat me out. You know, you beat out, beat me out for my job. You know, it shouldn't change the friendship. You know, it's it's that's that that dynamic shouldn't change. So it's always good to see, uh, you know, and I did see Kyle Fuller go over there and um and uh, show them some love. You know, you got to give guys some love, man. You got to let them know, hey, we're still a team. Stay, keep your head up and stay, stay ready. You know, in football, you got to stay ready because you're, you're one play away. Yeah, Jimmy Graham, uh, I saw him doing that, that too. I, I think generally, like, people like Mitch Trubisky. Good guy, hard worker. Just, just wasn't working on the field when you needed it, it to be. Uh, Lance, quickly, I got to ask you about the <coughs> linebacker play. Of the Bears, Danny Trevathan, you know, getting headlines for playing half the snaps, and I don't know if Roquan Smith had his best game um, against the Falcons there in Atlanta. What, what are you seeing, you know, for a guy who's played it for so long? 
Um, yeah, let's start with Danny T. Uh, Danny, you know, uh, two weeks ago, Danny, he, 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 he looked like, to me, he looked like maybe he was hurt. He was playing hurt. You know, the, the, there's obviously there's speculation. People think, oh, he's old. He's lost a step, lost a step here and there. But as you get older, you know, <clears throat> it's less about being the fastest on the field and it's more about being smart, smarter. You know, the smarter guy will get to the ball faster than the fastest guy uh, <clears throat> just because he understands angles, he understands techniques, he understands what they're trying to do. Uh, so, <clears throat> so you know, being old, I don't, I don't really want to credit that to, to his play. Uh, I would rather – credit it to, you know, something might not be right. I thought he moved a bit better this past week. There were some, there were still a few plays where he, I was like, what are you doing? But I thought he moved better and, and I, I'm anticipating him moving better and better as the season goes on. And I think he'll get, he'll get healthier. You know, now he could prove me wrong, but that's what I saw. I saw progression from last week to the week before. Um, and for Roquan, He's the, the one thing is he's flying around. He is flying around. You are seeing him fly around. You are seeing him fill some gaps. Um, but for him, you know, and a guy that is uh, as talented as, as he is, you want to see the bigger plays. I, 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 you know, making tackles in the open field is great. Love it. And, but if you're going to do that, you know, it, I think there's one or two things for him. You really need to, to make big plays. You need to take the ball away or you need to be in double-digit tackles. And that's one thing where we're not seeing him. He always getting eight tackles, eight combined tackles, seven combined tackles. You know, if you're flying around, you're making plays, we need to see you in that double-digit category consistently. I think that's a good point, Lance, because, you know, we're talking about a top draft pick here. And mm -hmm. it's unfair when a guy gets drafted to Chicago and he gets compared to all the great linebackers and, and your name comes up and – no, it's not. No, okay. it's not. But no, it's look, not. And that was my. I, I liked what you what you just said. Was like, all right, you can play well, but the expectations here are fifteen tackle games, tw ridiculous twenty tackle games. Get those pick sixes we were just talking about that that you had, Lance. And it's early in the season. You know, early in the season. You know, your adrenaline, your butterflies. You're trying to fly all over the place, trying to be involved in everything. You know, you, you typically that, those first games, you know, you know, me, Brian, or, you know, we don't know how many tackles we have, but I know wherever the ball is, if he's not on the tackle, I'm in the tackle or I'm trying to knock him, knock a guy out that he's holding down. So, you know, I just, you know, early on, the, the only thing that's disappointing are the number of tackles. And if you're not getting, you know, 12, 13, 14 tackles each game, then, Where's the ball? You know, where are you not taking the ball out? Getting to getting to the quarterback. I'm not gonna tell them about quarterbacks because you can only get quarter get to the quarterback if they're if you're if you're blitzing. And I haven't seen a lot of blitzes with him involved in it. So what what he can control is taking that ball away. What I keep waiting to see is like the hit, the impactful hit from him. I mean Danny Trevathan, I think, had one uh, against the Falcons, but like the, mm -hmm. the type of blows that you would deliver, that, that Brian would deliver, that you're like, Oh, there's a tone setter right there in the middle of the defense. Oh, uh, well, I don't know if you can do that anymore. You know, I don't know if you can do that anymore. Every How time much I, do you like I, FedEx envelopes? When I watch football now, I, I'm like, there's, I don't think I could have survived in this era. I think I would have been the most fine football player, or one of them, most fine football players in this era. It's just, ooh, ooh, it makes my, you know, it, it makes me nervous even when I see a hard hit now. <laughs> do you react, Lance? Like when you, yeah, when you see a hit that really rattles, do you have any sort of visceral reaction, negative or positive? These oh, days? it's, it's, uh, I think I, it's just a natural reaction. You know, one of my favorite players, hands down, is Jamal Adams, you know, mm -hmm. and he hits like a brick. You know, that's a guy that could have played in any era. Um, and, and uh, when he hits someone, I jump out of my seat. I jump out of my seat. Because I, um, so <laughs> I might be the only comic book writer with an NFL injury. I tore my ACL a few years ago Ooh. and I'm still rehabbing it, coming back. But I can't watch, like th that Tariq Cohen hit, yeah. I saw it start to happen and I, I still haven't watched the whole thing because I knew Ooh. immediately. It was just like, it's, it's just. Do you yeah. get sidelined in the comic book industry from a, a, a torn ACL? <clears throat> Uh, unfortunately not because, uh, deadlines are deadlines and nice. I owed a script for the winter soldier to Marvel and 
like the next day after my surgery, my mom flew out to LA for the surgery and she took a picture of me sitting up in bed with my leg props almost up to my head with this crazy machine, like pumping ice cold water around it. Um, and the huge brace and I've got a laptop like precariously perched and we sent the photo to my editors going, I swear the script is coming in. <laughs> that proves it. Comic book nerds are tougher than football players. That, Ooh, that, wow. Wow. <laughs> oh, man, <laughs> there it is. Well, that's a good transition um, because we do want to talk about this project you guys are working on. It's really cool. Uh, and our listeners need to know about it. So uh, if you haven't picked up, Kyle Higgins knows what he's doing as a comic book writer. Number one New York Times bestselling author. Work includes Power Rangers, Nightwing, Batman Eternal, Eternal, Ultraman, and he mentioned The Winter Soldier, which I know Johns and I both love. Um, so let's do this. Kyle, you tell us a little bit about this project, set this thing up, and then we'll go to Lance on why it's so important. Yeah. Yeah. So um, this is a book that, you know, as we're going to, speak to, especially Lance, is very, very close to our hearts. And Mm -hmm. for those that don't know, Lance loves comic books. That's actually how we met. Um, And, you know, we've known each other for probably seven, seven years now, something like that. I mean, we met up in LA one time and and we went and did a tour of the DC Comics offices. And, you know, Lance is a comic book author already. He he did a book called Seraph at Top Cow a couple years ago with Phil Hester. And so, post-retirement, Lance and I just started talking quite a bit about, well, do we want to do something? You know, Lance really wanted to get back into comics. And, and I kept saying, well, you know, you could, you could explore doing more Serif, but I'd be more excited to build something new together. And so we met up, we started meeting up about a year and a half ago um, when Lance would come to Los Angeles and we just would sit down and just throw ideas around. And for me as a writer, something really has to grab me. And when we first started talking about different character ideas and things like that. There's some really interesting stuff there, but I wasn't seeing how to quite put a book together. And then when Lance started talking about his life and what his upbringing was like, um, something really clicked for me. And so the thing is, I, I think like, look, our greatest trait as a species is our ability to empathize. Okay. To put ourselves into someone else's shoes, mm-hmm. to be able to, see yourself through the lens of their life and, you know, to think about how your life could have been different if you had just been born in a different situation. Yep. So you're trying to gain an understanding of, you know, like the challenges and the dangers that you may not have personally faced, but other people, so many other people have. And I think, unfortunately, for whatever reason, it seems like that's become increasingly harder and harder for us as a society to do. Mm-hmm. But that's where fiction comes in and especially science fiction it's why I love the genre so much because when it's done well, it can be incredibly dynamic and compelling, but it can be allegorical. So, I mean, I think actually the best science fiction is allegorical. And so what that brings us to here is what the idea for the trap is. This is a version of the future where earth has been annexed into this interstellar coalition of planets, but earth is both the redheaded stepchild of the coalition, as well as this valuable asset in the interstellar drug trade. So what that does is it creates a situation and a status for our world where the problems of marginalized communities and, and economically and marginally oppressed people are the problems for all of us because now we're all in this together, which I think yep. probably tees up, Lance, where the title comes from and specifically what the background for this for you is. Yeah, 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 yeah. You know, the, the trap, you know, is, a, is, a, is really is a commonly used name, uh, term for it's really kind of a resulting way of life, you know, where obviously it's a poor community, but it's, it's where, um, basically where the, the, your governing body is, has, has basically failed its community, you know, and, and I, <clears throat> I like this, this term. Well, I don't use the term I like because I've never liked, I never liked it in the first place, but, but, <clears throat> you know, I, I, I view myself as, um, as a lucky one. You know, I was always a lucky one. I, I, you know, I, I, I commuted to a community that was about an hour away from my house <clears throat> to play football, you know, and in this community um, in Elk Grove, California, um, where I played youth football and I played high school football, the, the community really looked after me, you know, and my mom, my mom kept all of her kids in sports because she knew that <clears throat> this was 
her best way of keeping us out of trouble. You know, as a single parent, you can't keep an eye on your kids um, um, when you're at work and she had to go to work every day. She was on call during the weekends. So, you know, keeping your kids focused on something positive is, is how, how parents in these areas um, try to keep their kids out of trouble, you know, and, and when you have someone where you have a community or, or, or communities that know there's a kid that has a chance, <clears throat> they try to do their best to see that that kid makes it out, you know, and that shouldn't be the thought process of any community um, in America or around the world. You shouldn't have to put your stuff, put your, all of your effort into helping this kid get out, you know, all of our communities, all these communities should support and every child should have an opportunity to succeed. And so we have, um, we have a, you know, a, a, a fairly big cast here, but the focus, the main point of view is, is a character named Jalen who is 16 years old and he lives in Chicago or what kind of used to be Chicago. Yep. And um, he is a rising star in the interstellar sport of the future, which is called surf riding. Mm-hmm. And it's a sport that is competed uh, in uh, by a variety of species kind of mm-hmm. uh, across the coalition of planets. And this sport is a way for Jalen to get out, to get out of the trap, but also to get off world. And um, at least that's what it should be. Uh, early on in the, in the story, um, you know, it's, it's a few days before race and Jalen Jalen's board needs some repairs and he doesn't have the money for it. And he doesn't really have a lot of options. Mm -hmm. And so he gets, um, he gets hooked up with somebody that he probably shouldn't be dealing with, but he agrees to boost this floater car uh, for the cash that he can fix his board. And it goes horribly wrong because the floater, the car belongs to this um, interstellar Senator Mm -hmm. who's come back through Chicago. Yeah. And it goes horribly wrong and Jalen shoots him. And uh, it ends up, it's an accident, but that's really the kickoff point for the story. So is the community going to come uh, rally around Jalen? Is, um, is he going to be one more victim of the trap? Mm-hmm. You know, um, in these types of communities, and this is obviously not my story to tell here, mm-hmm. so please, Lance, jump in. But, you know, what, what really struck me, Lance, is when we first started talking even just about the title and where that term comes from, the idea is that, in, in a lot of communities like this, there, are, there aren't very many ways out and very many ways to make money. Right. And so that turns into your choices. Yeah. Your choices are limited. You know, the, the, your perils are greater. Your, cho- your choices are more limited. And you're and at, the, at the end of the day, there's a lot of promising, there's a lot of promising kids and, uh, you know, all across our, our country. Um, and, and for some of these kids, they're literally one choice, one small, bad, one big, medium, small, bad choice away from ruining their lives. So how much are you guys uh, trying to reach kids like that? I remember I had a conversation. I was playing basketball, actually, with Martellus Bennett when uh, uh, Black Panther came out. And he explained to me, uh, because he's really into the arts, too, and he explained to me how important this was that there there was a black superhero for for kids to look up to, and as a white guy, I had never thought of it that way. You know, I'm just like, yes. oh, these all these superheroes. I never thought of it that way. And then when you see Chadwick Boseman pass away a few weeks ago, yeah, just, you see the impact that that he had, the story had, and I just think that's so cool. It's huge. It's huge. Um, I, I'm gonna I'm gonna use the different character. I'm gonna use um, uh, Miles Morales. Um, I took my, my five-year-old in to get a haircut and, um, and the barber asked, he said, Hey, what kind of haircut do you want? And my son said, I want the Miles Morales. Okay. He wouldn't be able to do that if there wasn't a character that, that he could, he could relate to as well as close as Miles Morales. Cause Miles Morales is, is younger than, uh, I think younger than Peter Parker when Peter Parker was bit, you know, but I can always go to, Hey, you know, and Miles Morales is, a, I think he's a, he's a character that's, very popular he's super popular but it's it's a very relatable character for my 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 son and i wouldn't have been able to do that if this character wasn't created and if, go ahead. so so adam to to your to the specific question about how much we're trying to reach um different people and kids mm-hmm. um so the way that the, the kickstarter campaign works is that 
this book doesn't happen unless we raise the money for it. Yeah. And that money is for, for our art team, for, yeah. for the writing, for the production costs, for the printing. So we have different tiers in the Kickstarter that are um, basically pledge tiers. And you can take a look at them. There's, you know, there's the hardcover edition. There's a hardcover plus uh, a signed book plate that's limited from me and Lance. Mm-hmm. We're talking about possibly putting up some, some kind of higher end tiers as well for more Bears fans and kind of, you know, jerseys, some, some, some helmets out there, yeah, there cars, all that good stuff, some good signed material. And hopefully that'll be up today by the time this podcast drops. We're, we're trying to like iron out some kinks there. But what was really, really, really important to us, though, is that the very first tier, it's $10 and it's a yep. digital edition of the book. So we wanted this to be very, very accessible so that it could be something that um, if you just want to check out the story, um, it's it's the, the the point of entry isn't hopefully too drastic right. um and and so and then and i also gets to back to like when i talk about like the issues of of you know marginalized communities are the issues of the planet that means one of the things that lance and i've talked quite a bit about is like to your point adam like being able to see yourself in a story is so incredibly important but it goes both ways. Seeing yourself as a superhero is incredibly important and inspirational. Mm-hmm. But seeing how your life could have gone if the world you were born into was different is also equally as important. I think, we, again, like it's a true melting pot in the story. It's mm-hmm. all different races, all different species in, you know, well, we start in Chicago. So it will be yeah. recognizable to listeners and different mm-hmm. landmarks and things like that. Um, but, yeah, it's it's just something that I think is is. It's, right. it's, it's very important. And we haven't, listen, we have not completed this book. Yep. All right. We have not completed this book. <laughs> this book doesn't get completed without the help of, of, of the public, without the help of the public and the fans. Lance, I want to ask you just the, the creative process of pouring yourself, a part of yourself into this, this character, Jalen. What, what's that been like for you to, to maybe open up a, another side of, of you? And, and going uh, off that, you mentioned Miles Morales. I'm curious yeah. if, if you, if you, any other superheroes? I know you're a big comic book fan. Like where you drew inspiration from to to help create this character? Uh, you know, um, growing up, growing up reading comics, uh, Black Panther was Black Panther was more of a character that I would see, I would read in Punisher crossovers with Punisher. You know, maybe Spider Man, um, and Blade was also a character that I would see in crossovers with Punisher and Ghost Rider and, you know, those, those books. And when Blade came out, it was, it was one of the best movies I had seen, the cool, coolest action movies that I had seen. It holds uh, up too. Right. Right. I actually watched it. It totally today. holds up. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> um, but I, I've thrown my, my, my own history into the story is, um, is I think it's less about me because I'm the, the exception to the rule. And I think it's more about those that that were not fortunate enough to have the support system, to have, you know, the community, you know, or, or to have the, the just the right support system and to make the right, the, just the, the right decisions or whatever the situation may be that didn't allow you to make it, you know, to the, to the level that I did. You know, and you can ask a lot of the, the athletes, professional athletes today. And they'll talk about some, they can tell you about some stories about some people that they thought were, were, were as good or better than them that you'll never hear about. Well, guys, uh, again, like Kyle said, really important. This this project is not done yet. They need nope. they need your help, uh, and that's where our listeners come in. I know Johns and I are, will contribute, and, um, and and I know our listeners are going to rally for this project because it sounds so cool. So here's uh, he- here's a few places you can go. First of all, uh, you should be following Kyle on Twitter at mm-hmm. Kyle D Higgins. There's plenty of uh, great content up there. And <laughs> bears talk too if you want to interact with them on some bears things. Hashtag uh, troops and foals. That's there, all I've got. <laughs> there you go. So the the Kickstarter link, uh, <laughs> you can find it there. At Lance Briggs is Briggs's Twitter account, and then you should also be following. There's a specific Twitter account for this project at the Trap Comics. Uh, and there's some really cool artwork on there too, and we'll share it on our feeds as well. But go check it out because you see the, some of the original uh, artwork, and it's 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 pretty awesome. Appreciate it, man. Appreciate it. That's Danilo. All right. Yeah, yeah. I should. I guess I should real quick just say before we get out of here, Danilo Bayruth and Tamara Bonvillain, who yes, are doing indeed. all the art, 
It's uh, that's one of the that's my favorite thing about comic books and also why I love working with Lance so much. The collaboration aspect is so unique to comics from a writing standpoint because your job's not done until the book goes out the door. Mm-hmm. So an artist is going to come in and they're going to interpret your ideas. And all of a sudden, when you get someone as good as Danello, we did Lance and I looked at the initial designs. We went, Oh, that's Jalen. Yeah, yep. of course. Like it's like he existed this whole time, but, life. but Danello. Yeah. And, um, and Sasha had our amazing designer and Hassan mm-hmm. who's lettering the book. Um, it really is a, a true team effort. And um, we're just very excited to finally kind of uh, debut it to the world. So thank you guys yes. so much for, for the opportunity to talk about it. Yeah, we, can, we can't wait to see it. If there's anything else we can do to help, let us know. Kyle Higgins, Lance Briggs, thanks so much. Thanks, guys. All right, man. Last week is in the books. Now it's time to review the tape and prepare for this week. There's no better place to get in on all of the action than with DraftKings, the leader in one-day fantasy sports. To add to this week's excitement, DraftKings has a free shot at millions of dollars in total prizes up for grabs. If you haven't tried DraftKings yet, head to the App Store now because you don't want to miss this. Draft your lineup and feel the sweat like never before. Every run, pass, and catch means more with DraftKings. It's simple. Just pick your lineup, stay under the salary cap, and see how your team stacks up against the competition. Nothing adds to the excitement of watching the game quite like having a shot at millions of dollars in prizes. DraftKings has paid out billions of dollars to winners since 2012, so they know a thing or two about cold, hard cash. Download the DraftKings app now and use code RUN. R-U-N. For a limited time, new users can get a free shot at millions of dollars in prizes this week. Don't miss out on the week for action. Enter code RUN to get a free shot at millions of dollars in prizes with your first deposit. That's code RUN only at DraftKings. Make it rain. Minimum $5 deposit required. Eligibility restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com for details. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7, U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Well, that was a fun interview with Lance Briggs and Kyle Higgins. I'm excited to see that project. No, absolutely, yeah, yeah. Just, just as a fan, as, as comics, I've always like enjoyed the storytelling aspect. So this one, I think, hits home for differently for a lot of people. And to, to hear that Lance Briggs is really almost part of this character or sharing some of his experiences through this character, uh, I think Bears fans should be immediately interested in this project they put together. Well, and one of my favorite things about this podcast, John's, is the sort of the community we've built in and around the pod over the years. And so you get a loyal listener like Kyle and a great project with Lance Briggs. Um, definitely want to show our support, and hopefully our listeners will, will check out the Kickstarter campaign and, and help those guys out uh, any way they can because I think it's going to be a really cool project. Also part of this community is a guy named Kevin Fishbane, who you may have heard of. What's up, Kevin? What a boring... Bears in Chicago sports week. <laughs> nothing going on. Yeah, I got yeah. I, I got um, nothing but free time, guys. <laughs> nothing but free time. Big Blackhawks trade. I think that's what's on everyone's mind. Oh, yeah. Kind it's of. on Johnsy's mind. <laughs> it's true. Brandon Peary's back. I, I actually didn't know about it. Uh, all right. Well, I was handling a whole bunch of stuff on Monday. Uh, playoff baseball. TV shows, all kinds of things. Uh, there were a ton of Zoom calls involving the Chicago Bears. You guys were on top of it. Kevin, you were on top of it. What stood out from your Monday with Nagy and all the assistants? Well, I think with Matt Nagy, it was about, all right, next day, tell us again why you changed Nick Foles, right? It was just getting that reflection. And my biggest takeaway was he talked about the first drive. And it's almost like, when they settled for a field goal that Cairo Santos missed, like the wheels were turning. 
like right there that soon. Now, now I'm sure this is something obviously the head coach has prepared for since the end of last year, that at some point he was going to have to bench Mitch Trubisky. But I, I thought the fact that he pointed out the first drive as kind of um, part of all the struggles and Johns and I talked during the game about how it felt like 2019 in the first half. Um, so that was interesting. Uh, some of the assistants, not sure if you guys already talked about this, but we're all going to learn about how different this offense is with Nick Foles. And Matt was very uh, emphatic that the playbook didn't change, which makes sense because, you know, you're in the middle of a game, you game plan for the Falcons, you have your playbook. Uh, but hearing guys like Mike Furry and John Filippo reference back shoulder throws and, and deep patterns and, um, uh, yeah, that was a, a not so indirect, uh, you know, pointing out that that they believe this quarterback can do those things better. Yes. Um, I'm glad you brought that up. It's like you almost saw a rundown for the show today, Kev, even though you didn't. You know, it's a, the Clancy Barone. You know, how I, he thought I saw his, his grade sheet. No, you weren't part of that one. Okay, anyway. I was busy talking to Ted Monarchino, who said I could call him next week. We could just do a one-on-one. Do it. Do it. Do it. Do it. Sure. Um, I want to play this Mike Fury audio about the, the back shoulder throw um, attempt from Nick Foles to Javon Williams down the right sideline because his answer, and we were texting about it as it was happening, Kevin, we were just like, whoa, whoa, this is, I, I don't want to say shots fired, but this this is significant. Mike, immediately after the, the fourth and sixth to Ted, Nick comes back to Javon down the right sideline. What's the coaching point there to, to make sure that chemistry is there with that back shoulder throw? Yeah, you know, and, and you said it right there, the back shoulder throw, you know, uh, obviously we have not had a lot of those in the last two or three years. And so uh, that's going to happen now. You know, you got an experience, you know, you know, when you, when you have an opportunity to start throwing the ball down the field and not just one time down the field, I think as you guys watched yesterday, we started stretching the field a little bit, no matter who was in there. And now when, when defenses start in corners, start understanding that now those back shoulder throws are going to become a very viable option. And so I think one of the greatest things is when Nick threw that and, and, and Juice came off the sideline, Juice was like, hey, this is like college days again. You know, if I'm not open, it's going to be back-shouldered. But that happens because we're throwing the ball down the field. And so, again, going back to answering what Colleen was asking in regards to, you know, just experience things, you know, we're, we're, we're starting to do some stuff that we've wanted to do. But also now we're starting to see what, what are the adjustments to those things. And, and if we're going to throw the ball down the field, then obviously the back-shoulder thing is something that becomes an option. Yeah, guys, I I was not on this call, and I too was getting texts uh, about this being said, and went back and checked it out. And you know what? I love I love this type of uh, coaches are so reluctant to just sometimes give a real answer that he didn't take. Sh- I wouldn't call this a shot at Trubisky. I would say it's a it's a realistic analysis of what's been going on, and. Wide receivers are always at the mercy of their quarterbacks. It's part of the reason why there's sometimes so much drama with wideouts across the league. Uh, they get frustrated. They know when they're open and they don't get the ball. It's very, very natural. It's human nature. And I think to some extent, even a wide receiver's coach, because they want the best for their guys, they want them to get all the catches and, and get the praise. And they know it's up to the quarterback. So... For him to say, like, we haven't done any back shoulder throws in two years. Two or three years. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, you know what, though? It's accurate. It, it, it's, it's the truth. Yeah, it, it is. You know, I, I, I'm, some, of the, some of our listeners are not going to agree with this take, but I think there was probably a more delicate way for Mike Furry to say that. And I get that, you know, assistant coaches don't talk very much. And it's not like the guy does interviews a lot. And he says what's true, and we have to. And like as a reporter, again, we love it. We love when these guys are honest and upfront. So it's a great soundbite. But you also think about, you know, the quarterback that just got benched, who nobody in the building has a problem with, like personality wise. Um, but just and, and shovel, everything is done. Shovel I, a little bit more dirt on me. Yeah. So like I like I see. I hate to both sides it, but it's like, yeah, like we love it when a coach gives us that honesty. And then you're kind of like, man, like I'm not sure what, what, what Mitch, you know, who's everything has gone through had to deserve that. 
But, you know, look, uh, I understand that what matters is what happens in the field. And from the coaches on down, these guys got to figure out what to do to win. And for if you're the wide receivers coach, certainly sounds like he's excited to open up some new routes in the playbook for his guys. I'm not going to. Yes, yes, it is. I'm not going to criticize Fury at all because I, I love it. And I love the excitement that he always has. With, with with some of his answers, right? Like even when he's got to criticize an Anthony Miller, there's, there's like a passion there, and I I love just the way he shares, you know, some of the information that he has. So I think, like like as Adam said, there's there's an excitement for like his guys to be able to make those out, like to have those catches now be part of their offense, right? This is good for the Bears across the board because that was not the first back shoulder throw that he attempted, right? There was another one that he attempted to Darnell Mooney, at least that I saw earlier in the game down the same sideline. You know what? And the the thing was, it it looked like Williams just wasn't even ready for it. Like, like, whoa. It was like, oh, we can do those now type type deal. Uh, The camera even panned back to Foles, and he was like, come on, man. Like, because he never looked for it. And speaking of like Wims's place in the offense, like those would be almost. He's not the fastest guy, but he's a big guy. Those would yeah. seem to be great routes for Javon Wims to you know have that be part of your your offensive arsenal now. Yeah, I think so. John, you wrote it right that that Nick Foles had what five or six twenty plus yard throws. Yeah, in the game. Yeah. And now, granted, a couple of those were short throws. A lot of a lot of yak from Tariq Cohen and Allen Robinson. Um, and, and you're playing from behind. You're taking shots. Uh, but, you know, we, we kind of look when we saw it in camp, we all knew Mitch Trubisky looked better in camp. But the one area that I thought Foles, you could tell the difference was his deep ball. He just threw it with a little more touch. Um, and and look, the guys, that's what the guy was known for coming out of college was he could launch it. Um, and that's, it's a weird deep ball because it's not like that cannon arm. Right. But he just finds a way to get the ball there accurately. And well, that's something that's it, been a problem for Trubisky. He, he puts it in a spot where his receiver can make a play, whether yeah. that's Allen Robinson in the end zone or whether that's throwing to the L in the end zone so Anthony Miller could essentially just run and go get it because Nick Foles is about to get hit. That's significantly different as we evaluate what's going forward with Nick Foles under center. I do think it's important, though, that we temper expectations a little bit. I mean, they were playing the Falcons. They were in a situation where they really had to air it out because they were trailing in the game. But I do think what Nick Foles is going to bring to this offense is really the part that Mitch could never master, which was, remember them talking about him just being the point guard and the facilitator, getting the ball into the hands of the playmakers, and that just seemed to be the problem, knowing where the open guy was, right? And so... If Foles can just do that, uh, I think there's there's definitely a chance that this this offense doesn't because they've shown the ability to move the football and get yards. But as Nagy has talked about, they need to get touchdowns, no more field goals. What was the quote from yesterday? We cannot come away with field goals. That first drive to have a field goal on that first drive, that field goal attempt, and then to miss it drives me nuts. That's what Matt Nagy said, uh, and I think you guys are right. I think that played a big role in why you put Nick Foles in the game. Yeah, got, you got to convert in the red zone. I mean, you're just your offense is not good enough to get down there and just get field goals. And guess what? Your kicking situation is not good enough for you to go down there and settle for field goal attempts. So, yeah, I mean, I, I, I'll, I'm so fascinated. I mean, this Bears Colts game, uh, you know, in terms of level of intrigue. So high, you know, a full week of gameplay with Nick Foles. You know, what's he going to do as the starting quarterback against a good Colts team? I mean, this is going to be a are the Bears for real type of game. And I'll say this too, guys. I'm sure you mentioned this. Nick Foles has never started 12 games in a season in his career. So for him to finish this thing out, he's got to start at least 14. So, you know, kind of all eyes on how he handles that. A lot of attention on the offensive line. He's got to pass protect differently and a lot better for a guy like Foles. Um, but, you know, look, the, the coaches obviously have a world of confidence in the guy, and he's proven everywhere he's gone that he can step in and, and, keep, and, and be poised and, and let the offense go. Well, Kevin mentioned how much uh, 
stuff is going on right now. Uh, we're short on time. We got to go. We got we got uh, things to do, meetings to be in, playoff games to watch. Uh, real quick, Cubs White Sox predictions this week. Go, Cubs Sox. They both win. Oh, yeah, I got Sox in two. Wow, Giolito Keiko. That's enough. I got Sox in two or losing in three. If it goes to three, they lose. They got to oh, win wh- it too. Wasn't there a spell where the White Sox like didn't win in Oakland for a decade? Yes. It was yeah. really bad. Then it got better, and then it got bad again. Okay. Let's so say Sox. Yeah. Sox and two. Uh, Cubs and two. Bears. Bears over Colts. You're making the prediction oh, already. No, no, no. Just, 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 you know, Bears in general. Bears going to the Super Bowl. Wow. That's a bold prediction. Okay. No one on this podcast has ever done that before. Follow us on Twitter at Adam Hogue, H O G E, at Adam Johns, J A H N S, as that hit Johns about four seconds after I said it and I saw his reaction on the Zoom. That was good. Uh, read these two guys at theathletic.com slash Hogan Johns. Go sign up. If for some reason you're not subscribed, you should be. And uh, you can read me at NBCSportsChicago.com. My 10 Bears things are up. You should be watching all of our baseball coverage this week, by the way. Baseball Night in Chicago every single night on NBC Sports Chicago. I'll be on it. So we got you covered. Bears, Sox, Cubs, Blackhawks trades, whatever you need. It's all there for you. We're here, baby. Hey, thanks for our, thanks for our guest, Lance Briggs. Follow him on Twitter, at Lance Briggs. I think you've heard of him. Uh, Kyle Higgins, one of our top best awesome listeners. Follow him on Twitter, at Kyle D. Higgins. Uh, check out his work. And at The Trap Comics, that's where you want to go. Check out some of the artwork, and please contribute to their Kickstarter campaign. This should be a really cool project. Kevin Fishbane, at K Fishbane. Hopefully I got it all in there, guys. We'll be back on Thursday as we preview Bears and Colts. Big week. See ya. That's right, baby! That's right! Bear down!